Joshua chapter 3. And while you're turning there, I, uh, I have purposed in my, in my mind. Now, there, there's a caveat here because I, I, I have no idea how it's going to work out. But I, I have purposed in my mind to preach shorter messages. Especially on Sunday morning. You know, because you're here for an hour of Sunday school and that, that can range anywhere from an hour to hour and 15 minutes. Just, you know. And, and then if I preach another hour, you know, that's, that's two hours of Word. And, I, and I'm smart enough to know that when you get hit with this much information, if you don't spend time reflecting on it, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good. And sometimes there can be a lot to reflect on. Now, I did say there's a caveat. I don't know how that's going to work out, but, but, but we'll see. Joshua chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim, and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest, the Levites, bearing it, then... You shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way heretofore. Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Amen. Put a distance between yourself and the ark. You need to see where the ark is going. Because you have not passed this way heretofore. I want to take that context and preach to you for a few minutes this morning. On the subject, we have never been this way before. We've never been this way before. Amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated. Moses is dead. God turns his attention to directing Joshua, his appointed successor to Moses, and begins to instruct him on how to prepare the Hebrews for entrance into the promised land. Forty years of wandering in in faithless complaining had taken its toll on the people. They they would leave behind many graves of loved ones as one by one the doubters and the complainers of that generation died. What remained was a generation of people who believed God could and would fulfill His promises to them. It's not as if God didn't try. He attempted time and time again to prove to His people that He was perfectly able to take care of them, supply their needs, fight their battles, and bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. That that was the description Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8, that was the description of that land, the land of Canaan, the land of promise. It was a land of plenty. 
And, and the writer describes it as a land flowing with milk and honey. That this was the plan of God. This was the purpose of God. This is what God wanted to do for His people. But indeed, He, he delivered them from Egyptian slavery. He parted the waters of the Red Sea. He killed Pharaoh's army. He provided food daily. He provided miracle water in the desert. He caused their clothes to survive the rigors of desert environment. He provided a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. What more could God have done to prove Himself sufficient for the daily needs of His people? I can't think of anything else He could have done. And He he provided water in a dry place. He provided food every day in a barren land. Think think about it like this, because they had no no TV, they had no social media, they, they really had no way of knowing what the rest of the world was doing at that particular time. There, there was nothing to, to help them to see, to understand the trends of the world, the new fashions of dress and styling of hair and all of that kind of stuff. But yet, yet their clothes survived. Can, can you imagine, you know, growing and, and your clothes grew with you? I mean, that, that'd be good, you know, nowadays, wouldn't it? You know, that, that's not the reality now. It, it doesn't work that way. And, 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 and I wish for some other people's sake that it did. You know, because you can see people in public that, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're, um, they're, they're not small, but they think they are, and they're mine, they are, and, you know, and, and they dress like they are, and you you look and you think, my God, it'd be great if your clothes grew with you, but they just, you know, they just they just don't. But see, that's what God helped them with in in that wilderness journey, and he again he provided, he turned bitter water sweet, he he provided again a pillar of of fire to 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 help warm them and protect them. At night, and he provided a shade in the day. My goodness, what what else would you want? I mean, you just walk out of your tent door and you and you pick up, you know, this manna, this honey wafer thing, you know, and you pick up enough for the day, and you know, and God provided quail, and you know, and did, and and all you had to do for your food would just walk out the tent door and pick it up, and you know, in in the early morning time, and God God provided. For his people, but yet when yet there was that generation that was that was faithless, and and it was a complaining generation, and and that generation had passed, and the ending of that generation was signified with the death of Moses. You know, Moses even himself, even even though he was a great leader and. And, and, and the Bible, you know, records his accolades in various places and, and gives credence to the kind of man that Moses was. But yet, yet Moses, in, in his anger, he disobeyed God. And, and, and that, that put him as part of that faithless generation there. That, and, and because of his disobedience, and you know the story the Lord told him, you're, you're not going to make it over into that promised land, that land that's flowing with milk and honey. Now, I will let you climb a mountain and look over that vast expanse and over that Jordan River and see what you're going to miss out on, but you're not going to be able to participate. So, so with the death of Moses came, came, came the sudden closure of that generation of doubters and complainers that said that that God can't do it, that you know focused more on the giants than they did on the provision of God, and 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 focused more on how they viewed themselves in the eyes of, of the giants than they did what God could do to eradicate 
the giants out of the land and bring them into that promised land. Now they're dead. The wilderness was littered with the graves and the crosses that marked where the graves were. And, and now, now Moses has died and again God begins to deal with Joshua and to instruct Joshua. And then we come down to chapter 3 in, in, in our text and the Bible said that Joshua rose early in the morning. He, he got up early in the morning. I'm not going to spend time this morning because I'm, I'm trying to do what I said, but I'm not going to spend time picking out every thought and every detail and, and, and every implication uh, of, of our lives in this passage of Scripture. But Joshua got up early in the morning and, and they removed from where they were camping in Shittim and came to Jordan he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. They stayed there. They got to the Jordan. I want you to draw a picture in your mind because that Jordan, that Jordan River at this time of year is flooded. It's overflowing its banks. And the Jordan is that one barrier that is preventing the children of Israel from crossing over into the promised land and beginning to realize the promises that God had made to them. But, but they got up early in the morning and, and they came all the way to the Jordan and they stopped there. They couldn't go any further. They, they stopped right there. Amen. That Jordan was an obstacle. And I just want to just pause here for just a moment and help you to understand that in 2023, if God tarries His coming long enough, there are going to be obstacles that you are going to face that is going to prevent you from going in on into the promises of God that God would want to do for you. And that obstacle may not be some physical thing and as the Jordan River, but that obstacle could be an anxiety that prevents you from entering into the realm of faith where God can heal your body or touch your mind or or supply some need but I'm just trying to get us to understand that in our walk and in our relationship with God there are always these barriers that we're going to encounter that's going to impede or for a period of time it could even stop our progress in moving on in the direction that God wants us to move I don't think there's anything wrong with coming up against an obstacle. Because like I said, they're there all the time. And I do believe it's how you deal with the obstacle that's going to determine the success or the failure of the people of God. When the children of Israel came to the Jordan and they stopped and they camped there because legitimately, legitimately, they could not progress any further. They had no bridges. Don't know which to span the Jordan River. They didn't have any boats that they could float across. No canoes, no kayaks that they could get in and, and paddle across. Legitimately, they were at a standstill. They had to stop because of the, uh, of the flooded river. They couldn't go any further. There was no provision that would allow them to cross. So the only thing for them to do at this particular time is to stop where they are until something happens. Until God does something. Amen. Can I tell you? Amen. Sometimes you will encounter something in your life that you can't go any further and you may just have to stop until God provides a way across or God provides direction. Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with stopping in an obstacle and asking God, how do we deal with this? Where do we go from here? How do we handle this right now? They stopped. They camped right there. There have been things in my life, obstacles that impeded my forward progress 
in God, even in the kingdom of God, that I had to analyze and say, how do I deal with this? Do I try to make a way across? Amen. Do I try to swim this thing? Do I try to swim the current of a flooded river? Amen. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just stop and assess what's, what is in front of you. And take notice of what it is. And ask God, how do I deal with this? How are we going to get from this point to the point that your promise was to take us? What are we going to do about it? How are we going to get from point A to point B? God, our, what we, we've got to depend upon you. Looking back in 2023, I've already mentioned, there have been many failures on every hand from government through economic, socially there have been failures. Crime is on a rise. Amen. Suicide is at epidemic proportions. Uh, the fentanyl the, uh, uh, implosion or explosion it, it is, is astronomical. And we look at things that we face culturally and societally and we ask God how are we going to deal with that? Uh, but I'm here to tell you if you keep your faith strong and your confidence in God uh, there's a God that we serve uh, that's able to get us from right where we are right now on into the place uh, of the blessing of God where God would be able to do for us what needs to be done. So they camped. They stayed there. It came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove yourself from your place and go after it. Amen. That what what the, the command of the of the officers were to the children of Israel is when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God on the shoulders of the priest. I, I want to just just clue you in on something right here because it it's significant that Joshua said the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God. Because previously, the, the Ark of the, of the Covenant had been referred to as the Ark of the Testimony or the Ark of God, but primarily the Ark of the Testimony. But now he refers to it as the Ark of the Covenant. Why the change? I believe the change is significant in the fact that God in times past had made promises to the children of Israel. I'm going to take you into a land. Abraham, I want you to come out of Ur of the Chaldees. I'm going to take you into a land that you don't know about. You've never been there. You've never seen the land. But I'm going to take you there. God made covenants with His people. And Joshua was saying, listen, this ark which represents the presence of God. That was what the ark represented. It, it had to do with God's presence. That's the reason in times in the future when the ark was out of the land of Israel, the ark had been captured, then there was lament greatly in the land because that represented the presence of God. If the, if the ark is not here, if it's not in our possession, then God is not in our midst and God is not with us. And the ark was important. It meant God was was here. It meant the presence of God and the power of God was among us. And so Joshua is telling the, the elders, the, 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 uh, the officers of the people, you command the people that when they see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, what Joshua was trying to reassure them people with, with at that particular time is the God that we serve is the, is the God that's in covenant with us. What is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement. It's a legally binding document. If you want to look at it this way, it's a contract. And Joshua was trying to help the people to understand, hey, 
God. God is connected with you. God's connected with us right now. I know we've been 40 years in this wilderness. A generation has died. But let me tell you, the covenant promises of God are just as real and just as valid right now as the day God made it with His people. God is in covenant relationship with us. I'm telling you something today that God that we serve is still a God of covenant. I said He's still a God of covenant. There's promises that God has made in His Word that's to you and to nobody else. Amen. It's it's only to people who are in covenant relationship with Himself. Those who have repented, been baptized in His name, received the gift of His Spirit, and walking in holiness. God is a God that's in covenant with you and I today. There's promises again that's made that's not made to anybody else. I'm telling you, God has promised He'll help you. God's promised He'll heal you. God's promised He'll deliver you. God's promised He'll supply your need. He'll sustain you. He is a covenant God even yet today. So when you see the Ark of the Covenant, it's going to be born on the shoulders of the priest. And when you see that Ark, go after it. Don't stay where you are. But when you see the direction of those priests when they're headed to that water, then you're to go after the Ark. But, but listen, you can't get too close to it. You're going to have to leave a space of about a half a mile. Why? Because you need to see what direction they're going. If you can't see where the ark is going, you can't follow it. And some of you wander off this direction or that direction. You may get lost. We may, we may never find you. But you leave that space between you and the ark of the covenant. Because the God that has promised is the God that will lead the way. And the God today that has promised to help His people is the God that will lead us in this year if we will follow the presence of the Lord. But you got to follow him. I said, you got to follow him. You can't follow them. You, you can't follow what they're doing and saying in, in the news. You can't follow what they're doing and saying on social media. You've got to follow him. We've got to fix our eyes on the God that's in covenant with you and I today. We've got to fix our eyes on where He is and the direction that He's leading. And whatever direction it is, we've got to follow there. We've got to go after it. We can't linger around and say, well, it used to be this way. No, God is a moving God. And when God moves, we've got to follow the direction that He sets. The Spirit of God's a moving spirit. It's a moving spirit. Had the Spirit of God moved upon the waters, upon the face of the deep, it moved upon the earth. The Spirit of God is ever, ever moving. It's not stagnant, it's not stale. It's not just sitting in one place, but the Spirit of God is a moving Spirit. And when we see the direction of God, we got to go after it. How are you going to get there? I'm going to tell you about the precedent that we're setting in these first 40 days. We've got to be praying. We've got to be fasting. We've got to be in the Word of God. And when the Spirit of God moves, we've got to pick up and we've got to go after it. Amen. I say again, we've got to go after it. Amen. Because we can sit and we can say we want the promise of God. But until we make a move to go after it, it'll never become a reality. We say we want revival. We say we want healing. We say we want deliverance. We say we want supply. But if we're not careful, it's just words. Because unlike the children of Israel, when the presence of God heads in one direction, 
we're still camped where we are. And sometimes the moving of the Spirit of God can terrify us because the moving of the Spirit of God may be leading us in the direction of the flooded Jordan. And there's no bridge there. There's no boat there. But yet the Spirit of God is leading in the direction of the flooded river. Now hang on just a minute, Joshua. It gets you, hey, hey, priest, Levites, hold on. You're going the wrong direction. What do you mean we're going the wrong direction? You're going towards the river. And that river is flooded. I, I, I can't swim. I, I can't do anything. I, you know, I, I can't. I, I don't know what God's going to do. Amen. So if we're not careful, the Spirit of God can start moving and start leading. But because it's leading us in a place that looks dangerous and a place that's uncomfortable, then we stop. We camp right where we are. My wife and I was at Bass Pro a few days ago. My wife's terrified of water. She's terrified of motorcycles. She's terrified of this and she's terrified of that and she's terrified of the other. And she said something the other day that she's addressing her fears. And I, I asked the question, Where? Where are you addressing those fears? We, we were at Bass Pro the other day and we were leaving with Ben in and I, I spent ungodly amount of money on her son-in-law for Christmas. We're leaving. She said, look. Look at that sign. Those boats. All those boats are on clearance. And I said... It wouldn't help us one bit if they were selling those boats for a quarter apiece. What good's that going to do us? You're terrified of water. So a boat's not going to do us any good. Brother Tim, if they were giving them, if they were just saying, back that old black truck up, you know, and, and hitch one of them boats to your trailer hitch and you take it off, it's, it's yours. I, 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 I'd have took it, but I'd be driving away thinking, what am I going to do with this? Maybe, maybe I can sell it to Brother James. He can go fishing or, you know, or, or something. But what, what am I going to do with it? It's, it's not going to do me one dime's worth of good because of the fear that rests in the heart and the mind of somebody. Amen. Again, I say, if we're not careful, the Spirit of God can begin to lead in a direction, but it leads in a direction that we're uncomfortable, that we're afraid of, that we're terrified of, and we don't follow the leading of the Spirit of God. And we just camp. And we just sit there. And in, in effect, we become no different than that 40 years worth of graves that are piled up in the wilderness of that faithless and complaining generation. There's a reason again that Joshua called it the Ark of the Covenant. And the instruction was, when you see it moving, when you see it leaving the camp, what you've got to do is go after it. See, Joshua knew they were headed in the direction of a flooded river. Joshua knew that they were headed in the direction of danger. No, no doubt that there were people there who could not swim. Amen. That's probably the case. After all, what's their need of swimming? I mean, they're in a desert for 40 years uh, and God's having to provide water to drink and water for the livestock. There's no water to swim in there. No, nobody knows how to swim, but yet we're headed to the river because that's the direction of the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, Amen. So I want to challenge you this morning in these few moments of time uh, that when the Spirit of God starts leading uh, in this year that you follow the moving uh, of the Spirit of God uh, because it's leading you in the right direction. Now you may look at it and say it's dangerous. It's unfamiliar territory. It's uncomfortable there. 
I don't know how to swim and I don't see a bridge anywhere. But the command of the people was when you see the Ark of the Covenant moving, then you go after it. You go after it. You go after it. You follow it. Don't you linger behind. You get your tent packed. You get your kids in line. You get your provisions all bundled up. Because when when that ark moves that is representing the presence of God, you've got to follow the ark. You've got to know where it's going. Follow behind it. Amen. And I'm here to tell you something. If you follow the Spirit, you'll be okay. If you follow the presence of God, you'll be fine. Amen. But I'm going to encourage you and admonish you when you get to the brink of the water. Don't just stop and camp there. Amen. If you want revival, you got to follow the leading of God for it. You got to go after it. How many of you want healing? You got to follow the leading of the Spirit to get it. How many need deliverance here this morning? You got to follow the Ark of the Covenant to get it. Wherever God leads, that's where you've got to follow. But it doesn't look safe. Keep on marching. Keep on going. The waters are turbulent. You got to keep on going because because that ark is moving. That ark's going somewhere. Amen. And you've got to have enough faith that if God can part the waters of the Red Sea behind me, He can part the Jordan River in front of me. Amen. The sea and a river is no obstacle to God. Amen. Can I tell you, spiritual dryness is no obstacle to God if you're not afraid to move with the flowing of the Spirit of God. Amen. The, 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 the desert is no obstacle. Your disease is no obstacle for the Spirit of God if you follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. God will lead you in a direction that you should go. He's going to lead you to victory. He's going to lead you to plenty. He's going to lead you to healing. Some people say, well, the promised land... I know that Jordan Jordan is a symbol of death. Promised land is symbolic of of heaven. Promised land is not symbolic of heaven. There's not going to be any wars in heaven. There were wars in the promised land. There's not going to be any sin in heaven. There was sin in the promised land. not going to be any dying in heaven. There's dying in the promised land. There was disease there. It's not symbolic of the promised land, but what it is, or it's not symbolic of heaven, but what it is is symbolic of your life in Christ. Because we still have to struggle. We still have to deal with disease. We still have to deal with spiritual oppression and opposition. We still have to deal with that sinister thing called death until death itself dies. And then there is coming a time that death itself will die. But when God leads and when God moves, you've got to go after it. You can't stay where you are and have the victory of God. You've got to know... By which way that you must go. The way that you, you know by which way you must go is whatever the direction the Spirit of God is leading. That's the direction you got to go. And Joshua said, For you have not passed this way before. A, 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 a real accurate and correct rendering of that phrase, For you have not passed this way before. It is, is this. You have not traveled in this manner before. So what was Joshua talking about when he said, you've not passed this way before. You've not traveled this way before. Could it be meaning you've not crossed the Jordan River before? I, I think not because they had already crossed the Red Sea. What's a river compared to a sea? You've not traveled in this manner before. What's he talking about? What's he talking about? 
the way to the promised land. But here's the thing. God, up to this point, had done things for them that would disappear forever. The manna that was every morning would be no more. The quail would be no more. That rolling rock in the wilderness that provided water every day from them that the New Testament says, and that rock was Christ, would be no more. Oh, the cloud that led them by day has disappeared. Why did it disappear? Because now they are to follow the leading of the presence of God as it had to do with that traveling ark. The cloud is gone. That pillar of fire that gave them warmth and protection by night, it's a thing of the past. Joshua said, you have never traveled in this manner before. There's going to be some things from this point forward that you're going to experience and that you're going to deal with that you've not had to deal with in the past. You've been dependent upon the cloud. You've been dependent upon that rolling rock. You've been dependent upon manna and quail. You have been dependent upon, upon God providing your clothes for the 40 years. All of that is effectively coming to a halt because we are at a point that we are getting ready to cross over into what God has promised us so many years ago. I know the, I know the journey looks treacherous. I know it looks dangerous. The river's in flood stage. It's carrying downstream as, as rapidly as it could go. It's carrying debris and it's carrying limbs and it's carrying trash and it's carrying logs and it's it and it looks dangerous. But let me tell you something, Israel, where the ark of the covenant leads, you got to go after it. Did Joshua know that there was going to be a parting of the waters? I don't know if he knew it or not. At this point in time, the only thing is I know it is that Joshua said, you have got to follow the presence of the living God because you've not traveled in this manner before. You're not going to see the cloud any longer and you're not going to experience the fire by night. The, the quail and the manna is going to be gone. You've not traveled this in this manner before. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, if we're not careful, sometimes new things scare us to death. And because we don't like it. It looks dangerous and, and, and the unknown. We, we have a fear of the unknown. Amen. But can I tell you something? If you'll follow the leading of God and the leading of the presence of God, God's going to take us over the Jordan. He'll part the water. We'll walk across on dry ground and experience all that God. But hear me. When the, when the Spirit of God gets to moving, you cannot keep tapping by the side of Jordan you got to cross that river and walk into the promise of God I dare say if God tarries this year there will be things that you and I will face that we've never faced before I didn't say the church I said you and I See, down through the, the history of the ages, God's church has experienced what we're experiencing societally right now. We've never seen sin so blatant and so open and so in your face and so adamant and so voracious as today. How are we going to navigate that? What are we going to do about it? When the first transvestite walks into that church, what are you going to do? How will you respond? 
how will you deal with that? When the first transgender walks in, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle it? See, we hadn't traveled in this manner before. You and I not traveled in this manner before. So what do you do when you get to the flooded Jordan? The Spirit of God's leading that direction. Yet because of our fear, our uncertainty, and our inadequacy in and of ourselves, we don't go after it, we just keep camping. Why? Camping is safer. I'm not close to the water when I'm in camp. At, at least, you know, we, we may not have revival, we, not, we may not be growing, but, but at least we're still having church. We, we may not experience a great move of God every time we come to the house of God, but at least, at least we're gathering. If we're not having moves of God, are we doing anything in gathering? Are, are we just coming and just patting each other on the back and saying good to see you and we'll see you Wednesday or we'll see you next Sunday and God bless you and oh, let's pray for revival. No, no, Joshua said when that spirit, when that ark of that covenant starts moving, you got to go after it. You got to follow it. You got to go after it. Go after it. Go after it. There have been periods of time in this church, and I'm not saying this to condemn anybody. I'm saying this to try to help us to understand in, in the blessing of the new year that God has blessed us with. We can sit back and say, well, we're still having church and we're still doing this and we'll you know we'll have a Christmas party you know if God will tarry you know until Christmas time again and you know and all of this kind of stuff but all between those times we've had little sparks of revival God the God of covenant trying to move on us and move among us and, and we get all excited about that and then three days after the revival we come back to the house of God and we're just we're camping again. We're camping. Because camping is safer. And God is not about safe. I've had people tell me concerning the will of God for, for lives and Stuff and they say, you know, if God, if God directs you in a place and it's comfortable for you to go there, chances are that's not the will of God. It's not God moving on you because, because there are times God will move on you to do something that's dangerous and you can't see your way through it. You can't see how it's going to be accomplished. But God, what God is doing is bringing somebody to the brink of a flooded Jordan. And He's asking... Will you go after the promise? Will you follow the presence of God? Will you go after revival? Will you go after healing? Will you go after deliverance? He, because, because the Lord even said, you know, if, 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 if you'll ask, you're going to receive. If you'll, if you'll seek, you're going to find. And if you knock, 
And what is that? It's, it's progressive moving. I'm asking, but if I don't get what I'm looking for, I've got to seek after it. I've got to get up. I can't camp here any longer. I've got to get up and I've got to follow the moving and the direction of the Spirit of God. Because on the other side of the flooded river, there's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And the provision of God. It's there. It's there. It's there. And God is asking on January 1, 2023. When I move, are you going to follow? Or... Are we just going to sleep? When I move towards that uncomfortable place, that uncomfortable area, are you going to move with me? Or are you just going to camp where you are? Joshua said, you got to get up. When you see the Ark of the Covenant... God's made promises to you. But what Joshua's saying is you've got to follow. When God starts moving, you've got to follow God. You've got to follow God. And when you follow God, you're going to have to put some things aside. There may be some things you have to leave. There may be people that you have to leave behind. Because you understand, there were two and a half tribes that didn't make it across they, they, they asked Moses before, before it ever got to that point in time. You know, said, look, we're, we're happy on this side. We're happy over here. We're happy on this side of the Jordan. Can we just, can, can we just stay over here? And, and oh, yes, there, there were two and a half tribes, you know, that didn't make it across. They, they, just, they would just rather count. You know, it, it's a good place for our cows and our sheep and our goats. And, and if you don't mind, I mean, we just, we'll go over and help our brothers if, if, if they're in a fight. But even that became a strained relationship. And why? Because there was somebody that was just happy, just camping where I am. You know, just, just having what we got. Amen. To show up in the house of God. And, and, and Joshua saying, hey, there's more to it. There, I know there's a river, but there's a God that'll take us across the river if you'll just fold with the moving of His Spirit. Let's stand. I didn't make my mark this morning and I apologize, but I'm not going to belabor the point any longer. Because here's the thing, we'll either go after it or we'll just keep camping. One or the other. God will lead us in the direction of revival. But because we can be afraid of that, I've had people ask me before, you preach about revival and growth and expansion. I've had people ask me before, but what happens? What happens if we have revival? What, what happens if we have growth? What do you mean, what happens if we have revival and we have growth? if we have revival and we have growth there may be somebody comes to the church can teach Sunday school better than I can and I lose my Sunday school class but have you noticed we got no Sunday school classes it's comfortable just camping here. I feel safer. I don't have to get out of my comfort zone. There's not a bridge. There's not a boat. And I can't swim. And I see those Levites. Preacher, they're, they're headed to the water. They're, they're headed to the river. And that river scares me. 
That, that river terrifies me. And it's not comfortable. But Joshua said, you want to experience the promises of the covenant? You've got to get up. And when that ark starts moving, you've got to go after it. It, it is going to lead you in a direction that looks like danger. It's going to lead you in a direction that looks unsafe and insecure and, and, and will probably play on your fears. But Joshua said that's the direction of revival. That's the direction of realizing the covenants that God has pledged Himself to with us. I know you've never traveled in this manner before. But if you want it, you're going to have to travel in a manner that's uncomfortable to you. Because God may take away the cloud. He may take away the pillar of fire. He may take away your job in the church. I was talking to, a, to, a, to another pastor just this week. We're talking on this very subject. I told him, I said, there ain't no job in, in my church safe. Because I want to grow. I want to move with the moving of the Spirit. I want expansion in, in, in the house of God. And if God sees fit to replace me out of this pulpit, I'm, I'm not afraid to go. I want to follow the leading of the Spirit of God because on the other side of that obstacle, there's going to be the promise of God. There's going to be healing. There's going to be revival. There's going to be miracles. There's going to be signs. There's going to be wonders. What was it that Joshua told the people? You know, when you, you've got to sanctify. I don't have time for this, but you've got to sanctify yourself. What is it? You've got to get ready. You've got to do something to you. You've got to change. You've got to clean yourself up. You've got to pray. You've got to fast. Because tomorrow, God is going to do miracles. But you've got to get ready for it. Because camping ain't going to get it. How many of you want it this morning? I want to go on and on and on across the other side of that Jordan because I serve a God of covenant. I serve a God that can and that will. But I cannot be afraid to get up and move with the moving of the Spirit of God, whether it be in any service that we have here or whether it be in witnessing and ministering to anybody outside of the confines of these walls. I've got to... I've got to move with the moving of the Spirit of the living God. Because hey. I can't just camp. Jesus said, occupy until I come. That don't mean camp. That don't mean sit in your recliner and keep your, kick your legs up. That don't mean sit on your couch all day because you're afraid to get out in public. That word occupy simply means take territory. You, you take territory until I come. What is he saying? You got to be a moving church. You got to be, you got to be going. You got to be following something. You've got to be taking territory. You got to be plucking souls out, out, out of the heat of the flames of, of, of the fires of hell. You got to occupy until I come because camping is not going to get us to the place that God intended. I want you to lift your hands all over this building this morning.